for some reason it doesn't come up on my thing just right then. Saying the broadcast is unavailable. That's what so mine says. On mine. It okay. just takes a second. Hey, if you close out your app and go back to it, it works. Go back to it, it works. Turn down your sound, whoever that was. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I'm sharing it on uh, Facebook. Go back to it, it works. Damn it. Where is it? There she was. Well, we didn't pause for 30 seconds. We're at 60 seconds now. I know. <laughs> uh -oh. That's all. all right, y'all ready? Yeah. Ready. Welcome in to Georgia Week. Tennessee just had a pretty cool classic game against Kentucky this past week. Um we're going to review that. That was an all-timer, I believe. Um, but we're going to go around the horn. we got a lot of stuff to get to get to today. So we're just going to step right into it. Kentucky review. Go ahead, Paul. So if you take away the first half defensively, you probably – I mean, if you, look at all of, if you look at all of it defensively, it was a mess. I mean, our safeties couldn't cover nothing. Our linebacker, that was probably the worst game our linebackers have played all year. I think we missed like 100 tackles throughout the whole game. That may be a bit of an exaggeration, but Hayden Hooker once again proves why he should have been the guy since day one. I mean, has a 75% completion percentage, those four touchdowns, and really plays a perfect game as far as – I mean, he took a couple stupid sacks on that last drive before McGrath just botched that field goal. But, I mean, all in all – if you look at we're on the road, we're playing a top 20 team. I know it's Kentucky and we should be Kentucky every year just because they're Kentucky. But I mean, our, our offense has the ball for 14 minutes and scores 38 points. Alante had the other seven, but I mean, I'm proud of us. I'm really, I'm, I think this is exactly what we needed heading into Georgia week. If we were going to have any, any shot. So I just want to kind of start out by saying I said last week I thought it was going to be a really weird type of game, and I did call that a pick six was going to happen, so shout out to Alante Taylor for that. Um, my whole thought was obviously our defense did not play like I expected them to, but I was way more impressed with our offense because they came out hot and they just kept going. Um, they only had the ball for 13 minutes and 52 seconds compared to 46 minutes and eight seconds on Kentucky's side on offense. And they were able to score 45 points in that time frame. That just shows me like how dangerous Heupel can be. I mean, with what he has now, but just look at two or three years in the future, that gets me really excited. Um, and I just thought that this whole performance was really resilient on the offense's part because I can't imagine what it, I mean, it was just like a score fest. I will say I was not, I felt like we did a lot of prevent defense coverage and it almost felt like to me, they were like, okay, we'll try to keep the ball in front of you on defense and then we'll just score more points. I'm not a huge fan of that. I feel like we should have put more pressure on Levis and tried to, 
tried to do a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball. But nonetheless, a win is a win. I had an awesome time. And I have other stuff, which I'm sure we all do, but that's my opening thoughts. I'll be honest, the way the defense played this game, that's at the beginning of the year, I thought that's how they're going to play the whole year. So I think we played uh, above our heads all year until this game. It's kind of what I expected. Uh, their offense, I mean, their offense looked good, better than what they were and have been all year. Uh, as far as offense, our offense, I'm happy with it. We only had one scoring drive that was more than a minute. I mean, we just – I missed the first touchdown. Did y'all see it? Because I went – I got up to go to the bathroom because that freaking Cincinnati game was going on. Came back, and we scored already. Uh, we had the ball 37 seconds first quarter and had two touchdowns. But uh, we'll get into other stuff. I, I mean, I'm happy. It was a stressful game. Uh, you know, had we not beaten Kentucky and we finished year six and six, I wouldn't have saw any win as impressive because it was six wins against crappy teams. I don't think Kentucky's a crappy team. It's I don't see it as a signature win because it is Kentucky. But it it is something to hang our hat on at the end of the year. Um, since this game just happened um, a few days ago, we are probably still living in the moment and not really um, thinking about how big of a classic game this could be looking back on in about a decade. I think this will be an all-time game that we'll look back and be like, holy hell, how did we pull that out of our ass? And we go back 10 years ago and think about some of the classics that we've been in, like, you know, Sterner fumble. I know that was for a national championship or whatever, and this is for a 7-5 football team. But as far as just a classic, wild, crazy game, this has to be top 10. I don't want to say all-time, but maybe in the last 20 years. And we've there's been some crazy ones that we've that – we've, had the experience um what's what's wild is that if i sit here and named off all these stats and didn't tell you the score it, it you would have th you would think that we would got beat by four touchdowns um 17 to 35 first down 612 to 461 offense um again he mentioned the time of possession um 13 to 46. They held the ball for 46 minutes, and we won the game. Um, credit to our offense. I'm not going for the first – low, this is for you, okay? I'm not going to be negative today. This is complete positivity. I'm not going to say anything about how bad the defense is. It's just one of those games, like one of those games where it just happened for you. And this defense – I'm not going to say anything about it, but I'm just going to say that they made the stops that they needed. They made two key stops, the the Taylor pick, pick six and the play at the end of the game to, to finally seal it. Um, offense, man, like I've never seen um, never seen an offense like this. Um, I stepped to the TV, saw Tennessee was playing. I missed the kickoff, looked over. I was at a wedding. I looked over from across the hall and saw dude take it the distance. I was like, okay, we're going to blow the, blow them out. Now, I'm a little disappointed we didn't blow them out. I thought um, there was a couple times we could have. Uh, we let Kentucky back in the game there in the beginning. But uh, it is what it is. It was going to be a weird game. And uh, we can go around the horn a second time if you want to, Paul. So – Another thing that I just thought was awesome was how good those cookies were. I went to the Moonshine Cookie Place 
and had two and their chocolate chip cookies are about the size of my head and i got a pretty big ass head so that was awesome and then uh just watching a quarterback succeed here for the first time since josh dobbs was just like oh this is fun like i for, like sometimes i forget that we have a really good offense because i'm so used to having a shit offense that when i see them score before the game even comes on tv because of the stupid cincinnati game I'm like, oh hell yeah! Like we're 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 on the way back, and I'm I'm with Low. I think two or three more years with Heupel building actual talent. He kind of got Pruitt's leftovers, and then a couple transfers. I mean, Hennon Hooker obviously transferring was huge for us, but no, I think if you look at what Heupel's doing and what he's gonna do, I'm excited. Games like this come down to who's gonna coach the game better towards the end, and if McGrath makes that field goal, I mean, it's not near as a big I don't want to say – I mean, it's still a one-score possession, but now they have to score a touchdown to even win the game. They can't take a field goal. I mean, they could, but it would make no sense. But I'm almost – after this game, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Hooker, not career-wise, I don't think he'll ever be better than Dobbs, but skill-wise, I think Hooker is better than Dobbs after uh, last Saturday's game. That may be a hot take, but – So just going back to that initial opening touchdown, it it was so much fun to be there because that was my first, uh, it's hard to believe that it was my first away game, but it was my first away game ever. Um, I've always just been to watch parties or whatever and been to Neyland. So it was a good experience because I was surrounded by Kentucky fans and with that opening touchdown, they just all completely lost it. It's 11 seconds in, they're already pissed. I just thought that was so funny. Um, and they were, you know, they were just defeated to begin with. So I wanted to go into some of my biggest uh, key plays of the game, I guess, which was obviously Alante Taylor's pick six was huge. But the biggest thing for me was the drive right before halftime to get that field goal. Almost any other coach in America would have been happy with a tie. And I loved, and honestly, Heupel a couple games ago may have went to went to the locker room, but obviously they've worked on it, and they had that one play, 16 seconds, field goal to go up right before they go into the locker room. That turned out to be huge because we won the game by three. So that was huge for me. I loved that. Um, In terms of key players that stood out to me, um, Taylor, Valus Jones, Cedric Tillman, Jeremy Banks, and Aaron Beasley, I thought they all made really big contributions. The biggest surprise for me was that Tyon Evans wasn't really healthy at all. He he went out there for one play. It kind of upset me because I was expecting him and kind of worried me at the very beginning of the game without having him, but I thought it was huge that everyone just rallied around and said, you know what, screw it. We're just going to play without him and other people are going to step up and make a difference. So I really loved that. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on, I'm sure you guys are going to bring it up, but I saw so many people talking about the missed face mask. Um, So I wanted to, kind of let that float in y'all's heads so that we can discuss that at some point. Yeah. Don't you hate it when fan bases complain about the officiating? Um, 
Leland was talking about stats. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to give two stats on this. That's uh, amazing to me. It, Leland's right. You look at the stats, and we should have lost that game. So Kentucky going into this game was 119 and 0 when scoring at least 41 points. Uh, they had 612 yards, and they have put up 600 yards or more on us three times. They've never won. That's amazing stat to me. Uh, Paul, you're talking about like the comparison to Dobbs and Hooker. I think Dobbs is the better runner, but passing wise, I think Hooker's the better passer because that 16 year, if y'all remember, I, I mean, I remember Dobbs the beginning his freshman year going in and thinking, well, he's got to get better passing. But even his last year, the uh, throwing, like it was South Carolina and Bandy. I mean, he kind of cost us in that, honestly. Um, overall, I'm pretty happy. Um, I'm not going to. S- promise i'm going to stay positive this whole podcast uh because i do enjoy being negative about things uh but again you know you touched on ty and evans that really worries me about the, for the georgia game because i feel like he's the only running back that had, offers pass protection honestly because that's still killing us um last four games we've given up what was it 19 sacks and i'm worried hooker's going to get murdered against georgia i know we're not moving to georgia yet but that that is a concern of mine but other than that, yeah, I mean, I'm happy. It's always good to beat Kentucky and watch their fans cry. Just for a second, um, we've been there a thousand times as a fan base. Just for a second, put your shoes in Kentucky fans' um, shoes there for a second and think about how demoralizing that is. That is a soul-crushing defeat. It murdered them mentally. and th- I mean, we've been there. I mean, 2016, we all we had to do is we actually had two chances. No, wait. We had a chance to sell up the East to get South Carolina, shit the bed. Had a chance to go to the Sugar Bowl, shit the bed against Vandy. Okay. This is one of their best years. This is this is it for them, you know. We got the girl home. We got the boobs out. We got it all set, right? Something happened, right? They shit the bed. Um moralizing that is i just i think it's funny and i've said this a thousand times the mental block we have for florida is has the the kentucky mental block they have for us like they just can't i think bob um i thought i say bob stoops uh whatever his name stoops he's what two and seven two and five against us we have completely owned him and he's their probably their best coach in school history honestly um so a couple things. She mentioned the drive before the half. To do that with no timeouts is was just beautiful. It was a it was a masterpiece to get three points out of that. Um, there was some uh, earlier in the year. There I can't remember which game. There was some some complaining about Hopple's um, two minute offense, um, uh, and and he we missed out on a field goal or so. I can't remember. Missed out on a touchdown. We settled for a field goal. The kicker missed it. I remember that. Um, it was Florida. Uh, it was the end of the yeah, against Florida. Yeah, Florida game. So got three out of it. It was the difference of the game. Plus, that's so that's so great to get points like that before the half. That just it just does something for your team. Uh, I've jotted a couple things down. I wanted to talk about. So bottom feeders mentioned this several times. To get to where we need to go, Hopple has to beat the bottom feeders. He beat Missouri, he beat South Carolina, and yes, I'm calling an 18th-ranked Kentucky a bottom feeder because it's Kentucky. 
And I'm already going to call it a win, and I'm probably jinxing the shit out of us, but, but Vandy, it will be a win. So four teams that we need to start beating consens- consistently back again to get where we need to go. Um, the missed face mask, okay, it was a missed call. How many times have we got that? You can easily go back to uh, the ball don't lie thing. They end up getting the first down. Um, I'd have to go back look up face mask again, but I've never liked, and I could be completely wrong about this. I'm not a hundred percent sure it wasn't a tug. It could have just been on there and then let go. I'd have to see. I could be completely wrong. I, I'd have to see it again. If it was that the case. You know, whatever you could call legal hands to the face is probably still a penalty, but I didn't. I don't think there was a tug. I'd have to go back and look at it. Um, the ball don't lie. They got it. Officiating's horrible. Whatever. Uh, what, what can you do? Um, the Dobbs Hooker comparison, I really do like. Dobbs was so frustrating because he. It almost seemed like he would always be good for a half and suck for a half. In 2015, he was good for the first half. Sucked the second half. In, in 16, he was the opposite. Balled out in the second half. Uh, DR is right. He was a, a – Hooker's a better passer. Dobbs is a better runner. Um, I wish um, – we're going to look back on some of these stats for, between them two, and, and Hooker's going to be short uh, maybe a game and a half because he missed – I know he missed Bowling Green. A couple drives he missed in, um, in Pitt, and then maybe a couple of other drives here and there. So stats – might not add up to what Dobbs did, but I would like to see the comparison. <clears throat> and I also mentioned, I mentioned this several times, and I uh, have mentioned that it might eventually come back and beat Hoppel was the fact that going on offense will kill, eventually kill your defense. Now, you could say that we won Kentucky because of our offense, but you could also say that our defense was garbage because of our offense was going fast. I I hope eventually this doesn't actually cost us a game because to this point we've basically won the games we're supposed to win and lost the games we're supposed to lose. Um, but you can tell that they were pretty pretty 46 minutes or 49 minutes that they had the ball. Defense was exhausted. They were straight up exhausted. We're not a team. We're not a defense that has depth, and we're going to be working on that in the next couple of years. But I just hope that doesn't cost him a game. And I, and I hope he's not – you know how Butch had his – stubbornisms and Pruitt had his stubbornisms. I just hope this isn't Hopples, and I hope it's not like our Achilles heel going forward. But uh, before we move on to, like, fan questions, does anybody else have anything for Kentucky? Well, Lowe's one has talked about our opinion on the face mask call. And Kentucky fans, if you're mad about that, I want you to put yourself in our shoes and watch the last 10 years of blown calls that we've been through. You guys are bitching about a call that, by the way, you got the first down. I'm so glad the game did not end on that fourth and 24. <laughs> every single Kentucky fan would just be like, oh, well, if we would have called that face mask, we wouldn't have been in a fourth and 24, and then the, we wouldn't have had it. Like, no, you got the first down. You had the opportunity to win it. Well, Levis choked. He, he could not hit a receiver if it, his life depended on it. You let a defense that allowed 612 yards stop you to the point where you couldn't even get in field goal range. So instead of bitching about officiating, how about you bitch about the fact that your quarterback choked harder than Dobbs did? And what game did he choke? Fuck. I'm blanking. South Carolina. 2016 South Carolina, Dobbs choked. Bad. But, yeah. Will Levis choked. Get over it. I um, 
I pretty much agree with all you guys. You know, I was there and everyone was just, all the Kentucky people were talking mad shit. I wasn't even happy with it either. You know, I mean, I saw it and I wasn't going to be happy if that's how we won the game either. I don't want, that's the last thing I want to listen to five years from now or next week. And, you know, all this time is how, oh, well, we should have won because y'all finally got a makeup call. I, no. Um, they ended up converting on that fourth and 23, which I hope we never let that happen again. But I'm glad it did happen because it just further solidified the loss that was a true loss. So I would have been upset if it ended that way. It was a missed call. Um, I'm glad that we were able to force them to make the wrong decision and win the game. So I agree with everyone on that. DR, anything for before we go to fan questions? I'm good. Go ahead. Am I am I still breaking up low? Am I good? I think you're good now. Test, test, test. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's go to fan questions. Fan questions. We got a lot of questions this week, and a couple of them we actually didn't get in time, but they will be on next week. Um, so if you did submit something you don't hear it tonight. We will roll it on over into next week because they will still apply. Um, and they were all really good questions. So first one is at Bobby Tolbert, 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 I'm not sure how you pronounce it, 10. He asked us, um, I would like to know y'all's thoughts on the prevent defense on 4th and 24. I immediately flash back to the BYU game in 2018. So... The prevent defense gives me not only 2019 BYU flashbacks, but it gives me that 2017 Florida flashback where we came out trying to prevent a field goal because Butch was like, we're not going to lose on a game-winning field goal. Instead, he'd prefer to lose on a game-winning Hail Mary. But, I mean, it's so situational. You don't know – I mean, we don't know what's going on in practice. We may have five DBs that are that they feel more comfortable putting at the first – down yard line, but that's what I would have done. I, I would tell all my DBs to hover around the first down yard line, have two safeties back if they try to throw anything too deep. I mean, Will Levis is not going to beat you with a 60-yard bomb in the air. He's just not. So I like the prevent call. I just don't like I don't like where they where they were trying to prevent. I think they were too too busy trying to worry about the touchdown. They didn't worry about that first down mark. And I think that's what killed us. And having a guy that wide open, I mean I don't think there was a defender within 10 yards of him. That has to be fixed. But I'm wondering if this is all an, a depth issue or what. But, I mean, it didn't cost us the game, so we just got lucky. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you have to look at the win in the game this was. I mean, like we said, our defense was on the field pretty much the entire game. Our offense was only out there for like 13 minutes. So, obviously, they're super gassed at this point. Um I did, as I touched on earlier, I felt like our calls were very much prevent defense most of the game, and I thought that was different than how we've played our previous few games because I thought our defense has done really well up to this point. Um, what I'll say about that, I guess I'm just happy that we ended up winning the game, but there's, I mean, you can't ever really let them convert on 4th and 24 again. <laughs> Depth an issue or not. Um, that's just way too many yards to give up. 
Yeah, it was actually a blown coverage on that by um, I don't remember his first name, but Haddon's his last name. I don't like. I'm just more of an aggressive person, high strong. I would have sent something which we don't have a great pass rush anyway. But honestly, and I'm sure Leland will agree with me, but wasn't it expected? You could just see it coming a mile away, man. I hate to, I hate to be like that, but I was at the BYU game. And you saw that coming when Alante bit on that. Uh, ended up turn out great, but at, wasn't it that drive where Danico Slaughter had that holding penalty away from the ball after we made the stop? It wasn't. It was before that. The slaughter penalty came in the third quarter, and then they scored that touchdown off of it. Okay, see, I I, I was irate about that, but I don't know. I was expected it. If we lost that game, we'll look back on that as equivalent of the BYU game, but it worked out in our favor because it's Kentucky. I don't have a problem with the coverage, and um, I, I'm going to disagree with Paul a little bit on – I heard, and I can't remember if it was the telecast or maybe sports radio that I heard or something, but I heard that all the defenders were back by the uh, first down line. And um, now the Butch play in the swamp, he just didn't have his players back. He wasn't expect Butch didn't wasn't expecting a Hail Mary, so he didn't have his players lined up like a Hail Mary. Now, this play – it's very weird. Like, how do you give up 24 yards? Like, you have so much space. And it was almost like a wheel route. Was it the tight end or, or the running back or something? Um, I like DR's in this situation where you um, you want to be more aggressive. If memory serves right – man, I, I need to go back and start looking at this stuff. So, if memory serves right, we, we rush three – and they had like five to block. So it was five on three, no pressure, right? Now, if you send too many, you don't have enough on the back end to cover. So you kind of – I would have probably sent four. Five, I, w- I wouldn't have sent five. I would have sent four. Um, if, if you – I would have probably put four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I would have put three or four – a couple yards in front of the fourth down um, marker, first down marker, and then I would have put more three or four, a couple more yards up, because because you can you can throw a deep pass that's not past the sticks, and someone can break a tackle, and you're so close to the first down that they can just rumble and tip over and get the first down. So I'd have somebody at the at the first down sticks, people about seven to ten yards before that and then I'd have my rush. Um people before that would have got the would have got the guy on the wheel route. Um as soon as he pulled the as soon as, as soon as we got away with the face mask, I'm like DR, it's they're gonna get this shit. Um I figured like something would happen where they would throw it deep and we would get um a PI or and they would get an automatic first down. You, you there's no excuse. You gotta give you gotta get you can't give up that shit. But the call, I mean, it, the call would work if it worked, right? The the play call would work if it worked. Um, you just, I just don't understand giving up a wheel route. I don't know where everybody was on that. But um, I would have probably sent one more also. All right. Um, next question, at Boo Johnson 08 asked us, do y'all know if Hooker is coming back next year or not? And if if you guys don't know, when should we expect that decision? 
the only person who knows whether or not Hendon Hooker is coming back is Hendon Hooker. Uh, I'm I'm assuming he's coming back. I don't think even if he goes out and throws five touchdowns Saturday and beats Georgia, and we went out and go nine and four, and I don't I still don't think he leaves. I think he wants to stay one more year, segment his name because under this offense, he knows how successful he can be, and with year two talent, he might make a run at the Heisman. You know, he's going to be in the conversation at least preseason. Definitely. So I would say he stays. I don't imagine he'll make us wait too much longer after the bowl game. I just, I don't see it. I'm sure he'll make his intentions known as soon as he does, but you have to think it's a big decision. This is a kid who has a chance to go make millions or he can stay here and really cement his chance to make millions. I think he stays, but I say we'll find out maybe a week or two after the season ends. Yeah. Um, agree with you the only person who knows is him and he may not even know right now one thing that I love about it the most is that none of us know and that he's not sitting here like trolling the fan base and teasing that he's going to do this or that I think he's just a super down-to-earth mature guy who's literally just looking at what he can do to help his football team win games so I respect the hell out of him for that um I think he's really doing a great job all the way around. Um, definitely the type of guy I would want to lead my team. Um, I do hope, obviously, I really hope that he comes back. Um, even if he does come back, I'm still worried about what we're going to do with the rest of our backups because um, obviously he would be number one if he does come back. But I do think his main goal is probably just to win as many games as he can here at the end of the season and then try to get his team to a bowl game. I'm right there with Paul. I think he'll probably make his decision a week or two after. Um, I think he'll know, and I and I do think he'll stay. I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't. I think he would be a real serious contender for Heisman next year if he stays. You know, but we got to look at one thing, and that's his injuries. Um, that's definitely probably weighing on him a little bit and affecting his decision. So all we can do is be positive, but either way, whether he stays or goes, he's been awesome to watch. Now I'm going to disagree with Paul. If he goes out and balls out against Georgia, I think he's gone. Uh, it's number one team in the country, number one defense. I think they've given up. It was five or six touchdowns all year. So if he goes out there and balls out against them, I think he's out of here. I hope he comes back, obviously. I mean, it goes without saying. Uh, he's still got some weaknesses, honestly. And it's it's one of those things, too, you look at. This is his first year of really balling out. So is there enough sample size there? I know in the NFL, a lot of times that don't matter because you look at some of the crap they've taken in the first round of quarterback. And it's a weak quarterback class, and I think that goes in his decision. I, I mean, what, the number one quarterback that I've seen is uh, the Pittsburgh guy and honestly I, I think if we're playing them later in the year hookers obviously out dueling him and beating him so honestly again I can't give an answer that depends on what he does against Georgia because if they're craps the bed as Leland like say then I figure he'll come back but if it goes out balls out I, I really believe he's out of here before I before I make my opinion on this, can we kind of detach the word Heisman and Hooker? Just just anytime we put together the hop train, bad stuff happens. Can we just detach that for right now 
next year, let's do it. Let's finish this year and, and do our thing start next year. Let's just detach that. Cause I don't think you realize how good you have to be. And I know people want to think that he's having a husband um, campaign this year, but if you go back and look at Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's year should be um, a good comparison. Cause he had the best quarterback by stats in history. But detach that for just a second. Now, as him for as for him going or staying, no one note really knows. Dr. Again, freaking steers, steals my um, idea about the uh, the lack of quarterback class uh, between Pitt, the North Carolina QB. Honestly, that's all I can think about right now. As as far as I bet he's going to try to start talking to some scout and see where he would, if he can go in the first two rounds, and and you know, he's probably gone. Um, I'm worried about his injury proneness. Is that a word? I don't know. I'm worried about that a little bit, if he can last in an NFL season. Um, I know he's always come back from these injuries, knock on wood. Um, I don't think – I don't think really Georgia is a is a hit or miss whether he leaves or stays. Um, I think he's going to try to determine the whole body of work, NFL. What, is, what does he want to do? Like I mentioned before I went on my Rattler um, – um, what if before I went to my Rattler um, rant that what if he just doesn't want the beating and banging on his body? I'll tell you what, this though, no matter no matter the reason he leaves or not, whether it's injuries or just NFL draft, if he leaves, Tennessee is going to definitely take a step back. And you don't want to do that in year two. Uh, year two might be a year one, honestly. That's going to be kind of difficult because the fan base is hungry. We're, we're, seeing, we're getting a taste of the appetizer in year one. The worst thing in the world would be, from a fan standpoint, is if he left. Um, you kind of want to keep keep this offense going in year two and then kind of groom somebody, get a freshman or, or get somebody, build some depth. Depth. We don't have depth right now as it is with 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 him, much less without him. So we're going to have to go through the trans, uh, transfer per, uh, portal. But I don't know. I guess we'll see what the rest of this year. I hope he comes back, though. I, I really do like watching him play. Yeah, that's a great point, Leland. That's That would be our worst nightmare if he did not come back. Um, next question, at Sharky P asks us, did you notice our safeties, especially Flowers and McCulloch? Uh, McCulloch, I don't know how you pronounce his name. I'm sorry. Um, they got ran over and dragged around. Are you all concerned about that? Paul. Sorry, my, I want to unmute myself and my screen minimized. But I'm not concerned about it because these guys are done after this year. I mean, like, yeah, for that game, I was kind of like, what the hell are you doing? But, I mean, I can't remember who I was talking to earlier today. I, I think it was DR right before the podcast. We were, we were both agreeing. We were like, our safety suck. I mean, Flowers is a terrible ball hawk. I mean, McCall is a great tackler. Don't get me wrong. I think he leads – our team in tackles for loss or something like that, or he did at one point in the year. But, I mean, McCullough's just a skinny linebacker. He's not a ball hawk. We have no ball hawking safeties. Slaughter needs a lot of work. Uh, I do like uh, McCall Hayden. McCall Hayden. I don't know how to say his first name. But I don't know if he's going to play more corner or more safety for us. But that's definitely an area we've got to fix going into next year. We're, we're, I mean, we're going to get destroyed by really bad teams if we can't guard the deep ball. Because regardless of how much our offense can score, 
there's going to come a time where we're going to meet an offense that's going to try and, that's going to play with us and try and out and score with us just like Kentucky did. And it showed, I mean, we need good safeties. We need a whole really good defense, but I mean, got to start with the safeties because as of right now, I feel like our pass rush and our linebackers other than the Kentucky game have been playing statistically well all year. And I mean, when you look at pass coverage, it's safeties and corners for the most part. I mean, yeah, linebackers will slot up and you'll have a defensive end who drops back in coverage every once in a while. But I mean, our safeties really need to improve. My whole thing on, on this question was I felt like this was the first time that we did change the way our defense played and the way that we changed our calls for the first time in a hot minute. I mean, usually we are applying pressure and we led in tackles for loss, right? So I kind of feel like we, the whole scheme was changed in terms of those specific guys. I mean, we, we have what we have, right? Um, they're going to have to put in all the minutes. I, you know, they may have played a little bit subpar compared to their normal performances in this game. I mean, but concerned, I, I mean, I guess, but in terms of what, what I expected, um, I think it's, it's still fine. I mean, we've got to hit the transfer portal probably pretty heavily and, um, try to cover these positions. And like Paul mentioned, they'll be gone um, next year anyways. So we're going to have to fill those regardless. Um, so that's really all I could have on that one. Uh, Lowe said a good word right there that expected, you know, I've always, I've told somebody before and I'll tell you who off there, but when you don't have expectations, then people are never going to fail to meet them. I, I, did, I didn't have a lot of expectations for him. I will say this. I wonder what happened to Flowers because you remember his freshman year was him, Alante, and Bryce, and they balled out and looked awesome. And Flowers got hurt that year, and he's not been the same since. I mean, he's he's fast out there. He's real quick because I think he was a baseball player as well. But, I mean, it's kind of what I expected, and I haven't been impressed with them, and I have not been impressed with the linebacker play all year at all. Um, I don't, that question, I don't know if he meant drugged around as in like the, like they couldn't tackle or drugged around as in being passed all over. Um, I'm going to go with the passed all over. Yeah. Anytime you give 372, give up 372 yards against a trash ass QB like Levis, that's never good. I personally am going to chalk it up to just a weird game that weird things in Lexington on a Saturday night fall just happened. Um, I'm looking at some of their tackles. Um, where, does Theo Jackson play safety? I'm not very – okay. So, Theo Jackson had double-digit tackles. Now, you can look at that as good and bad. Good, he had double-digit tackles. You can look at it bad in the sense that your safeties are making plays, and that's way back in the in the back, right? Um, we held Bama to 24 points through three quarters. Uh, lost gas on that one. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. But this is this is the worst that the defense have played all year. Um, you know, if with our offense, if it's clicking, all you need is an average um, defense. Like you don't need an all-time great Bama. I mean, if you can score, if you can guarantee, if you can guarantee me thirty-five points, thirty-one points a game. And let's say your defense gives up 25, 24, and you're like, well, that's a lot. No, it's not. You just won the game by 10. Um, 
College football is going to that though, high flying off or has been that for a while. I'm not going to put to put too much emphasis. I got to see more of them playing like that. Uh, now, you know, Vander, Vanderbilt's QB is throwing 400 yards against us, and there's cause for concern. But by then, it's the end of the season. So, very good. Makes a lot of sense. Um, next question. This one isn't really a question. This is more of just like a statement. Um, and I've seen a lot of it on Twitter this week, so I figured we'd throw it in there. Um, at Darth underscore Nader 88, he says, let's get the news across to our fan base that we do not appreciate the SEC nation trying to be excited to come to Knoxville after they spent the better part of the week or really the season, dragging our fan base for something that literally happens every year in sports. Hashtag boycott SEC Nation. I'm so glad we get to comment on this again. I absolutely love dragging SEC Nation in the fucking mud every time it comes up in our podcast. I think Marty Smith doing that special with Hendon Hooker after he damn near wrote a book on Twitter about us throwing some fucking mustard bottles on the field after one of the worst first down calls I've ever seen in football history. I I mean, why are you coming here? You you talk you tell us all the time about how shitty our fan base, how round bunches we are, just how like we just don't care about class and how we have no we're just privileged ball fans. First of all, football our football fans are not privileged. We may be starting to be. But if you've seen the last three incompetent SOBs that have been running our program, we've not been privileged at all. Secondly, Marty Smith is the biggest two-faced asshole I've ever seen on TV. And that goes with Kirk Herbstreet and all those assholes. Dude, you literally wrote a almost book. Like it was like five tweets, five quote tweets on top of each other of how it was disgraceful. And you, you've never seen environment. It's bad for the kids. And then the next week, you do an hour special on our QB for your little dumbass show that nobody watches. I mean, nobody watches Marty and McGee. Like, that's some shit you get home from work at 10 o'clock at night, and you're trying to watch something sports-related, and the only thing on is Marty and McGee, and they're talking about what socks they're wearing that week. No one gives a rat's ass about your TV show. It looks like you film it in a barn. Like, I don't even know where you're at. Is that even at the I – don't, I don't know. I hate all of them. Boycott SEC Nation 100%. Very uh, passionate rant there, Paul. I, for one, I don't really give a shit if they're here or not either way. I, I'll say this. So back in Dobbs season and everything where they kept coming and we kept, you know, we started out so well, I was like, oh, this is fun. This adds to the game day. And now I'm just like, I don't give a shit what they have to say. Why do we feed into them so much? We're giving them way too much attention, even tagging them and shit, right? Um, I, I would much rather listen to stuff where I know that the fans are in attendance every week and that they're, like, submitting questions. And these people are just here for viewership, right? I mean, it's the same with any network. Um, it's the same with the big news channels. I mean, they're all just trying to get views. I mean... They'll say whatever and do whatever. They're making millions. If I was making millions and they told me to sit here and shit the shit on Tennessee and then go interview the quarterback for millions of dollars, I'm probably going to do it, right? Um, no, I wouldn't because I have more integrity than that. But it's all for views. I don't care. If you guys want to show up, show up. If you don't, don't. Um, to each their own. I don't really care. I'm going to have fun, but I'm probably not going to go. 
I mean, he hit the nail on the head. We feed into it. I, I'm guilty of it. I love tweeting at him. You know, it makes me feel better. But like, it's kind of like punching a wall. You're not you're not accomplishing anything, but it's going to make you feel better. You're going to break your hand. But you're not going to break your hand on Twitter. I don't really care. I mean, I know a lot of people on Twitter are saying boycott it, but, you know, there's uh, different portions of the fan base. You got Vault Twitter, but then you got Vault Facebook, and there's more of them, and that they're going to go regardless. To me, I could even see it as, you know, maybe it's a bad luck if nobody's over there, and then they're not coming back because – Unfortunately, recruits, they do see that stuff, and it does look good. I went to the 2012 Florida game, and game day was there, man, and it was awesome. But, you know, as time passes, you get older, crap like that doesn't mean as much to you. Um, but whether you go or not, I, I don't really care, honestly. I mean, they're they're going to do what they got to do for viewership, as Lowe said, and, you know, they don't care. They sell their soul. That They have a take one week, and then they change it the next to fit a narrative. DR, if you take my damn idea one more time, I'm gonna cut your damn nuts off. Yes, it's for recruiting. Recruits like, or we need the exposure. Um, it's very, it's cool that they want to come down here for an ass beating. Um, oh, did I, did I give away my score prediction? Um, yeah, the thing, the thing disappointing about me about the Marty Smith thing is that, from what I've heard, dude is like a real genuine guy. Like, he, he's a good guy. He's a country dude, football, college football. Like, he's a guy that you could go and um, you can go have a beer with and talk about, you know, the hot girl across the bar or something. Like, he's that guy. And I understand why he said what he said. I don't really agree with it about the whole mustard thing. He said it because of the four-letter. Let's be real, okay? He, he said it because of his employer. Um he, he he didn't want to look like a cuck, but he ended up looking like a cuck. Um, as for as for the guy, the SEC Nation game day, I, I get excited every time game day comes here. Um, I've been twice. I've been on campus by six o'clock. Game was at night, twelve hours. I've been on campus when they come. It's cool, good exposure. You want that if you're Hopel. You want your you want Tennessee's brand out there as much as possible. Um, I like Tebow. I know I know it's against my uh, Florida. Um, I've read some of his books and stuff. He's a good guy. Like, I don't have a problem. Fine bombs a cuck. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say boycott it. Go if you want to. I'm not, but whatever. Hey, we made it 46 minutes and 32 seconds without saying <laughs> cuck. We're doing better. I said it three times. <laughs> All right. Yeah, do whatever you want. I don't care. All right. Um, next question, Mombasita underscore 13, which is Rena. Uh, she asks us, what bowl game do you all see us going to, um, assuming that we make one, and which bowl game do you prefer that we go to? Um, after we beat Georgia <laughs> and go 8-4, uh, <laughs> I'm going to assume – we get a pretty good bowl game. I could see us in the Outback Bowl if we beat Georgia, but if we don't beat Georgia and go seven and five, I'm going to assume we play in like the Liberty Bowl or like the Texas Bowl. I want Clemson. I would love to just dethrone them and their program, all that shit about Dado Sweeney. I'll tell you what, Dado Sweeney is awful when he doesn't have a generational quarterback. Without, I mean, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence made that whole program. Can I, can I stop you there yeah. for just one second? Sure. Name name me a coach who's not good when they don't have one. Nick Saban. He's had four first round draft picks. 
Yeah, but he's been good without one. I mean, he won a championship with Cooper Bateman as his quarterback. Anyways, I digress. Uh, no, I'm going to – I would love to play Clemson and just dethrone that whole program. Or Texas. Just show them who the real UT is. That, those are my two opponents that I really like to see. I'm same as Paul. I chose either playing Texas or Clemson just because those are some bigger name opponents. I think it would be really fun. I think the fans on both sides would show up. Um, so I think that'd be a great matchup for recruiting and for everything else. Um, I am assuming that we are going to a bowl game. I don't think that's cocky to assume that even if we shit the bet on one, we have five wins. So just need one more to make it somewhere. Um, if I was to prefer, I would like to go and I would only be able to go if it was on a Friday, Saturday or Sunday type of deal. So, but opponent wise, I would like to see us play Clemson or Texas. I think it'd be a really awesome matchup. I don't really care about Texas cause we're about to be playing them. They're going to be in the sec. I want Clemson or I want Penn state. And I know what Leland's going to get to, so I'm going to go ahead and argue against him for his argument about Clemson have all those five stars. So, okay, NC State and Pitt, we have more talent than them. If you look at recruiting rankings, they beat Clemson in a conference game. Georgia Tech, Boston College, Syracuse, they all lost them by one-score game. And plus, these five stars, and I agree with you, they have more talent on paper, but they're used to playing in the playoffs, national championships. They don't give a crap about the Liberty Bowl or wherever we're going to play them. Uh, and plus, you know, God's gift to football, Tony Elliott, the inventor of the touchdown, he created the forward pass, uh, first offense corner, coordinator to score double digits. You know, media's, media's a little poster boy for offense. I want a chance at him so Hypo can put more points on him. And James Franklin, Leland, I know you do, but I don't know about Lowe and Paul. Do you remember how much y'all hated him when he was a bandy? I could not stand that guy. He was – I didn't know the word cuck then, but he was a cuck before I knew what it meant. He's awful. He's – you know, and Georgia's linebacker just turned himself in for rape. I mean, that's somebody that would play for James Franklin. So I want one of them to – so I really did like this question. So I went into greater detail of some of the, of some of the bowls. So this is a really big, massive, unpopular opinion. Okay. Whenever Tennessee hovers around six or seven wins, I always want them to go to Nashville for the music city bowl. I think it's a nice trip. It can be done in a day. I don't have to spend money on a hotel. Yes. It's cold weather. Yes. It's not Florida. Um, I want them to go to the Music City. Um, I know the the popular uh, opinion would be Tax Slayer, Outback, um, some of some things like that. So, okay, so I want to run by some names for y'all. Okay, so anytime I like bowl season because you kind of get the rumors of teams you could play and all that. You got sexy matchups and you got unsexy matchups, right? So, okay, Liberty Bowl would love to see Texas, UT. I got to hear who's the real UT for a year on Vol Twitter. That's, that'd be the cuckiest uh, Twitter timeline ever. Um, but I think Texas would be sexy. Um, Saturday down south released their um, bowl projections yesterday. Penn State, of, of James Franklin back in uh, Nashville in the Music City against them, that would be a great matchup. Would love to run them out of that, that field. Uh, 
so Tax Slayer Bowl, which is ACC versus SEC. So I was looking at the standings. So a team like Florida State would be sexy, but they're three and six right now. So they'd have to win their last three games to get in. But if they somehow manage that, I wouldn't mind playing Florida State. It's a big name. It's kind of a rematch of 98. Um, it's winnable. Why not Florida State? North Carolina. Think about that for a second. What would be the over-under if we played North Carolina? The over-under in all betting websites would have to be at least 90. Like, think about think about what Kentucky just did to us. Like, that would be a badass game to watch from a scoring standpoint. Maybe not from a UT fan want to win standpoint. You guys keep mentioning Clemson. I'll point back to my five-star. They still have five-star. Yes, it's probably a sexy matchup, very sexy. But it would be badass to knock them off. It would be great to shut up some of these Clemson fans that have entered my timeline uh, in the past couple of years. Um, now, unsexy, like Syracuse. I don't want to play Syracuse. Louisville, I don't want to play Louisville. Uh, some of these Big Ten teams, like I know probably Iowa has a the thing about the Big Ten is, like, they have, like, four, three or four teams in one of their divisions, and they're all, like, one or two losses. So somebody's going to get the shaft in that and get a shitty bowl. So, like, if I was boring, Purdue's boring, Illinois's boring. Um, and then I, I don't think Tennessee would go to a January 1st bowl, which would be Outback and Citrus, so I'm going to kind of skip those. So there's a Texas bowl. It's like after it's like a couple of days after January first, and it's Big Twelve versus uh, SEC and uh, K State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Texas. Not sexy minus Texas, but my big oh I forgot this one. So Tax Slayer, what about Miami? Badass, right? Uh, we got V Tech. They're around our same uh, record, but we played V Tech in the Battle of Bristol. But my, I want to see Miami. Florida State, Penn State, Texas, or Clemson, I think, maybe. I think all those would be pretty great. Very good. Good job on your research, Leland. Um, let's see. <laughs> so a couple more questions. Um, I'm going to jump to this one for the group, and it actually, like, switches gears to basketball a little bit. And then a couple people tweeted me some questions about the trip, so I'm going to do those at the end. Um <laughs> This one is, again, from the same person, but I, I'll say it because um, the name is not as embarrassing to say this time. So he says, hello, Dixon B. Tweenerlegs here. Ha ha. Um, how long before Chandler takes over and makes an impact for this Tennessee season? This is switching to basketball for like a moment, and then we'll switch around. Well, I didn't get to watch the first game, but statistically, it looked like it took him the first game. I mean, dude looks like he's already very comfortable in Rick Barnes' sets and offense. I mean, he has a great three-point shot. I mean, if you shoot four, four for four from the three-point line, you're you're bound to have success offensively. And that, that just gives you more confidence to drive in, dish, just really everybody's playing through the offense. But I think the offense is going to have times where – Folky can't buy a bucket. Viscovi's off from the three-point line. And we're going to look to this freshman point guard to take over in big games. I think there's going to be a time where we're in Lexington, and I think he goes off in Rupp Arena this year. I'm going to go ahead and call it. But I'm really confident about this kid. He's a baller. Uh, I'd say he takes over th probably six to seven games this year, especially later for a uh, tight game. 
So, yeah, um, I went to the game last night. I thought he looked really good. Um, let's see, he scored 20 points in 20 minutes of playing time. So I thought he looked great. Um, I've heard a lot of talk about he's our best point guard in, like, 20 years. Um, and we're going to touch back, like, on basketball towards the end of this. But I think his impact was immediate. And I think he's going to be a huge addition to Barnes's team. Um, the last couple questions were just asking me about my trip. Um, so I'm just going to touch on them real quick. At Whiskey Golfer 17, at, he said, so are you and Danny White uh, tight right now, now that you got selfies with him? Danny White equals man of the people. No, um, he probably has no clue who I am except that weird girl who asked him to get my video as they were walking out of the stadium. Uh, definitely a man of the people, was super nice, greeted everybody. We had like this huge lineup, um, high-fiving the players and just congratulating them. And he was there and Heifel was there and it was a really good time. And then my next one was Big Orange Heifel. He asked me how was the Lexington road trip. Um, I had a blast. Of course, I ran into a few assholes, but like I've said before on this podcast, everyone has them. Um, Just real, real quick, real quick. Did you ever get White Castle? No, I didn't. <sighs> did I miss you out? Get White Castle. Yeah, you got to get White Castle when you go to Lexington. We did go to, we went to a couple really nice restaurants and the mine, it's uh, skipping my mind right now, but Got some really good drinks. Um, there was a place that had a pineapple jalapeno margarita, which is my favorite. So got a few of those. Favorite part of the trip was definitely getting on stage at the Stagger Inn and leading the It's Great to Be a Tennessee Vol chant. And that was the night before we won. So I could have made a total asshole out of myself, but we ended up winning. So that was nice. Um, and... I guess other than that, it was a great trip. I will say, first away game, their tailgate setup is ridiculous. I mean, it's so flat there compared to us. So the it's just a giant parking lot. They have that RV lot. And I saw, like, pull-up bars, like, trailers hooked up with bars and, like, liquor cabinets on them. Um, most of the people down there were cool. It was more in the city that we ran into some assholes. But, I mean, I met a lot of nice people, too. And, overall, it was a great trip, fast road trip. So, I had an awesome time. Uh, I, yeah, I actually got another fan question. Uh, it's from oh. the ATB. Sorry about that. It's from the ATB MySpace page. They want to know who makes a better TikTok, Leland or Lowe? I haven't even made a TikTok. Well, if we're going in order here, you know, I think as far as Leland's production, you know, he does a lot of things really good, uh, calling people out, you know, making really good skits. But, you know, low to most people, the thirsty people that thirst for low, you know, I think their ratings would go a lot higher if she did make it. But as far as Leland actually making TikToks, I think you have to go with Leland here. Well, I know, I, I know. I don't even have a TikTok. These cucks are accusing me of being that gal. And it was, uh, I do have an account. I do not make TikToks, but I do make them with my niece sometimes. And her account uh, is. Dr. Did you notice that Lo has said two of my phrases tonight? She says "shit the bed" and "cucks." Well, they're so, bringing, know, bringing them up. Next thing, next thing you know, she'll be getting a lot to make TikTok videos. 
I'm sure I'm sure Lo can shake her ass better than me. But honestly, if you seen me on the dance floor the other night, uh, I could give her a competition. Uh, this booty be thick though on the dance floor. Oh my! Uh, but uh, we're back to Viscovi, uh, or we're back to uh, Chandler. <laughs> uh, is that what we're doing? Or I'm confused. <laughs> Where? What are you thinking about Viscovi that hard for? Well, I was well, I was going to make a point about him in the in the point guard position, but can I go ahead? Go. Okay. Okay. So I've always uh, I said it on the pod a few weeks ago that Viscovi is not like a sexy player, as in on the on the court. Um, he doesn't really do anything that's exciting. Um, he's kind of like the JG of point guards. Like he's just he just is what he is. And he doesn't like do anything spectacular. Spectacular. He's kind of slow on the ball. Like he's like throw this kid in there. Let Muscovy start until he's ready, but then put Muscovy on the bench. Let's get this thing rolling, man. Let's. The only thing I'm worried about a freshman is if they go through freshman woes, a long season out of high school, all that stuff. But let's get this guy going. He looked good last night. Let's. Uh, I think the hop train's only going to go up as the more he plays. All right. I think that was a fun little transition. Um, I think that's all of our questions for this week. Like I mentioned, a couple of them did come in late, but I added you guys to next week because they weren't directly affiliated with this past game. Um, so the late ones will be added to next week. And of course we will always ask for more. Okay. So, uh, we're going to switch. We've been on here an hour. Um, I said earlier that I didn't really care about time. Um, so we can just keep going, I guess. We've got Georgia week. So uh, let's let's talk about Georgia, number one team in the country. Um, one of the people are already calling it one of the top defensive, defenses of all time. I don't care if they win a national championship with these two QBs. I think they're both garbage. I just think they play for a good team. They're game managers. But, uh, Paul, what you got for Georgia? So before – I mean, it's going to happen. I know you and DR, Leland and DR are going to shit on me for this, but I think this matchup is very is the most favorable matchup to actually beat Georgia on their schedule. I did some research on who Georgia has played since we're talking about how great their defense is. Let's think about the offenses here. Georgia has played nine games, and only four of the teams have had top 50 offenses. One of those teams was Auburn, who had the 48th offense, and another one was Missouri, who had the 41 41st offense. Arkansas had 22, but and Florida had 16. Tennessee ranks 21. Georgia ranks 44. Tennessee, little fun stat for you guys. Tennessee is 5-0 when not playing a top 20 offense. There are four losses. Pitt had the third. Ole Miss has the fourth. Alabama has the 13th. And like I said previously, Florida's had the 16th. So historically this season and statistically, Tennessee has a shot. I know Leland's going to shoot me in the face if I ever see him again, and DR is probably going to block me on Twitter up until the Georgia game's over. But I think if anybody on this roster can beat this Georgia team, this particular Georgia team, and the way we play, we have an excellent offense. They have an excellent defense. They have a lackluster offense, and we have a lackluster defense. So matchup-wise, it looks – I mean, on – on paper, it's not going to be a close game, but there's a reason you play the game. And I've been calling for an upset all year. Like DR said, I would take 
Tennessee to beat God in a close one if I had the opportunity to pick it. But I'm not going to pick the game yet because that's not what time it is. But you guys are probably obviously seeing where I'm headed towards. Um, I mean, it's the SEC, so anyone always has a chance, right? Um, we've seen so many upsets this year in the SEC and in every conference, really. It's been kind of unbelievable how many teams have not came up and showed out. But I will say – I'll say this. Okay, Kentucky scored 13 on them. I think we will score more than that. Um I think we'll score the most on this Georgia team all that has been scored this year. Um, for some, ESPN has upped their chances, and we're now at 11.5% chance of winning. I think before we were at like 8%, so that's pretty interesting. I'm not sure what dro drove up that extra 2.5% there. Um, but, you know... Uh, I don't know. An upset's always possible. I'm excited for the game. I think it'll be a fun atmosphere. And also, Georgia has not choked yet. And another thing to keep in mind is we have had way worse Tennessee teams play close against Georgia. I mean, there, there's been way worse teams that have kept it close. And this team, I think, is talented or more talented than those teams. So, I, it's a possibility that it could be close. I feel like if we were able to score 21 points, we might even be in it in the fourth quarter, which would be super exciting. We were in it up to the fourth quarter with Alabama. Um, but in terms of that, I don't really have a ton of preview. Their defense is stout. So I'm not sure how it'll match up with our offense, but I don't know. It'll be a game to watch. That it will be a game, and that it will be a game we watch. I do not feel good about this game, okay? I, I've i heard that they've not faced an offense like ours, but we haven't faced a defense like theirs. You know, maybe if we were completely healthy, I, I really wish to God we had Tyon Evans, man. Uh, he would have made a different – Ole Miss game, we win. I think we have him. If he's healthy, the, May, the Mays brothers completely healthy – Jordan Davis, I don't know if y'all watched him play. He's 6'6", 330 pounds, but he's got 40 pounds on Cooper Mays, and he is a problem. We are not deep, and there was a George guy on the radio today talking about how they rotate 9 to 10 guys just on the defensive line, so they're always fresh. And y'all seen how they've recruited over the years. Um, I know there was a pro scout that said that their defense, including backups, probably have 13 guys to play in NFL that's on this team. I don't feel good about this game at all, and I – you know, everybody wants to come out and say neg of all this, neg of all that, but uh, stranger things have happened, but uh, I, I don't feel great about this at all. <laughs> Paul kills me, man. I just uh, – Paul could call, Paul could use stats to try to figure out a way that he could get Jennifer Aniston to sleep with him. Like – Okay. Well, he, she, she's getting up in age, and she likes ugly dudes, so maybe I got a chance. Like, dude, I, sometimes I just want you to be, like, middle of the road. Like, just call it like you see it. You don't really truly believe that we're going to beat Georgia, do you? I mean, I know you're trying to be, be all this. Like, you've done it all year. I just don't understand. I just – they're good, dude. They're good. We're not there yet. Um, do we do, – will we throw some punches? 
Yeah, I believe we do. This team has thrown throwed punches every single game this year, and I believe that will be continued. How long will the punches be thrown? Well, I said Bama was going to be a quarter, two quarters. Tennessee ended up throwing punches till the third quarter. Okay. Um, Bama's defense is not like it used to be and is not this. It's almost like Georgia started putting on Bama helmets from about five, six years ago. I mean, this this is – I'm looking at some of their scoring. Of course, they've never – they haven't played, I don't think, a QB as good as Hooker. Um, I'm looking at some of their games, 3-7, 13, 0, 0, 10, 13, 7, and 6. That's the, that's the point scored on Georgia this year. Um, none of these team, none of these teams have a quarterback like Hooker. I don't think to this point. I just don't think things like this happen to Tennessee, and I, I'll I'll be glad to eat my words. I will eat crow if we pulled this out of our butts. But I just, I think we've beaten. Somebody said we've beaten two number one teams in the in our school history, and one of them was like in 1947 or something. You need here's a couple things you need. You need you need three touch. You need three turnovers. You can't give them the ball. Okay. You need you, you can't let Georgia run all over you, and you have to make that. Actually, you know what? Making Bennett throw might be a bad thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to stop him. But I know that you're going to have to score. And to this point, nothing has shown that anybody can score on Georgia to this point. Now, Georgia has a history of choking, like Lowe said. But uh, it's so weird playing Georgia in November, I think, also. Um, it's very weird. Um, but for a while there, before this series kind of got out of hand and 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 Kirby Smart took over, I remember looking up this a couple years ago. Tennessee has always been in – Georgia rarely – before that, Georgia rarely blew us out. Since Kirby has got in, they that's all they do is blow us out. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just we're, – we're, we might throw a couple haymakers at them, but other than that, I can't really say anything. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to hope for some drama. I'm going to hope for a close game. I don't really like us being on 3.30 either. I wish it was like noon or 7, one or the other. But I don't know. A.M. or P.M. <laughs> I wish this game was on uh, uh, the Martha Stewart channel. I don't even know what that is, but at 3 a.m. <clears throat> but uh, anybody else have anything on Georgia? I got a nice little fun segment here next. Anybody, Georgia? Okay, so last week we did the worst – or the hated player. So I got a fun little thing here. Um, give me your favorite Georgia moment and your worst Georgia moment. But I got a couple rules. One, you can't say the Hail Mary. And two, one of your best or worst has to be in person at the stadium, not on TV, right? So no Hail Mary, best and worst Georgia moment. Go ahead, Paul. So my best moment was the uh, Trevor Daniel punt on the half-yard line in 2015. I remember Butch just ran three straight run plays up the middle, and everybody in the crowd was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, we're going to give him the ball back to score because Trevor Daniel's going to come up here and punt it in the back of the end zone because he's just got such a hammer of a leg. And then I saw it bounce, and then it was rolling. And I remember when it rolled out of bounds at, like, the half-yard line, it was just, like, 
everybody went nuts. And are we doing our worst one too, or are we coming back around? Okay. My worst one would have to be the 2017 Georgia game. I remember it was at halftime, and my brother, who I actually bought tickets for, handed me a hundred dollar bill and said, "I'll give you this right now if you let me if you let us leave." Because I, I hate leaving early, but he was like, "I'll give you this hundred dollar bill if you let us leave right now." Because I'm not watching another second of this, and I I got a hundred bucks and I got to leave early, so that's probably my worst. So basically, these rules were not solidified to us before the podcast but mine is different because it's by far my most memorable and i wasn't even present at this game i was supposed to go to the game for that like the hail mary game and i was sick as hell at home with bronchitis so i had to sell my tickets and i was like in i lived in the basement and i was laid up on the couch and i had direct tv and it was going into it was when dobbs and them were jogging out onto the field and it was going into auto shutdown mode after four hours. And I'd been laying there like a lazy ass all day. Couldn't find the remote. So I'm up running around trying to figure it out. And I end up like finally finding it and pressing a button right when Dobbs is back ready to launch this thing. And I'm like right in front of the television. And my it's just like me and my dog. And I think my mom was downstairs too. I was still... I just graduated high school not that long after this. And uh, basically it all happened. I went ballistic. My dog went ballistic. I lost my voice screaming so loud. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't give a shit how bad I feel. We're driving straight to downtown. And I'm going out and I'm seeing all of my friends. I'm on antibiotics, so I ain't going to give them anything. And we went out and had like the absolute best time. And that was by far the best season that I've ever been a part of that was the year that we started five and oh. And so that was my most memorable moment because I was like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I couldn't believe it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not missing this. I don't give a shit if how bad I feel. I'm driving straight to Knoxville. So that's what I did. Um, and I just wanted to keep it positive. So I'm not going into my worst moment. That was just my story. I'm sticking to it. And I'm a rule breaker anyway, so sorry, Leland. The worst to me was the pig Howard fumble. Lo didn't say her worst, but okay, whatever. Oh, okay. Well, the worst for me was the pig Howard fumble. Uh, it was a fun. I know a lot of people argue it wasn't a fumble, but man, as soon as it came out, I thought, oh, God, he just fumbled the ball. And we we're in the Smoky Grays, and, you know, a lot of hype for that game. And I'm sure Peyton was in attendance, as he always, always is for that game. Uh, best one since we can't say the Hail Mary, even though I'm gonna tell a story about that game. I'd probably 2011 because me and my brother went to it. Um, we lost that game, but me and him had a good time. We actually ran into your boy Jason Witten, Leland. We we're walking by and I saw a huge dude. Uh, anytime I see a big guy like that at Knoxville, I'm gonna look to who it is. And he had a hat on, sunglasses. And I went out, I said, You're Jason Witten, aren't you? And I got a picture of him and my brother. The uh, Hell Mary game that the story that Leland's not interested in, he walked away. He, uh, <laughs> uh, I just remember that game. We threw that Hell Mary and it hit, and my son had just turned two. And I turned and just looked and just screamed at the top of my lungs that we had won. And he took off running in the backyard, and there's an in ground pool that had just been covered up and ran across it. Looked like Jesus walking on water. He ran so fast. I thought I screamed him into autism. <laughs> All right, so my 
my worst one of my worst moments, and I can't believe this game is never talked about. Um, it, it right up there with like the pig Howard and all that stuff. So I was a young lad uh, in 2003. Was going to was going to um, football games with my grandfather. He got me started going. Um, there was so many memorable games during the the Casey Clawson era, and I can't believe this is never talked about. I guess because it was so terrible that people just don't want to talk about it. So here's the scene. All right, so we're both ranked back and forth. It was thirteen seven Georgia. Okay, we get it down to inside uh, the five yard line right before halftime. Um, I think our boy Jabari Davis, we got to ask him about this low Friday. We got to ask him about this. He might not want to talk about it, but I'm pretty sure Jabari was the running back. Casey Clawson takes the snap, turns to hand it off. He loses it. And Sean Jones returns the ball 99 yards for the touchdown. Now, it was 20 to 7 going into half, not the end of the world, right? And I've never liked that cliche where people say, one play changes a game. One play makes a game, right? This play is a prime example that that completely turned around the game. Um, so Georgia ended up blowing our blowing our asses out, and they scored three touchdowns in the third quarter. I remember a play. I don't know why this one play sticks in my head, but I remember Clawson goes back to throw. He gets hit. Ball goes up in the air. They pick it off. That was it was like one of those quicksand. You ever talk you ever watch the replacements? He's talking about quicksand. When one bad thing happens, you just keep you keep struggling more and more and more and stuff happens. So instead of going into the half against the top top ranked rival, uh 14 to 13, or worst case scenario was um 13 10 if you kick the field goal, you go into the half at 20 to 7. Complete game changing, complete change. They ended up putting 40 on us. We didn't even score until the um, fourth quarter when he had uh, Chris Leak. Um, was it CJ or Chris? I can't remember w- which one was which. But um, he scored a garbage time touchdown. But that had to be the worst game, one of the worst games I've ever been to. Um, one of my best moments, and I, didn't, I wasn't at this game. It was at Georgia. And I was actually going to pick Paul's 2015, but I'll change it up. So in 2006 at Georgia. Ainge, um, Brett Smith, Robert Meacham, that badass Jason Swain, all that badass receiving core we had. <coughs> we actually started the game down 24 to 7. Uh, after the 24 to 7, we outscored them 44 to 9. Arian Foster had three touchdowns. We had that awesome block punt that was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I don't know if y'all remember it. But it was just a badass cover, a badass badass picture of us blocking their 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 uh, punt in the back of the end zone, and we put fifty one on them at their house. Um, Georgia's quarterback was Tarashinsky. I always called him Tarashitty. Uh, he was god awful. They had like um, I think they had No. Sean Moreno maybe, um, or Lumpkin. I think they had a slew of running backs. Um, but that was one of the best games. We it was in a, ended up being fifty one to four, uh, twenty something or thirty three, I think, just a complete ass beat. And I love that too. That two thousand sixteen was one of my favorite teams to watch. If I'm convinced, I'm convinced if Ainge didn't get hurt, 
we might have played for a national championship because we lost to LSU with Crompton as a freshman and somebody else we lost to, Arkansas, I think. But uh, that's my best and worst. Uh, anybody got, else got anything? Any good memories? Uh, Rocky Top Dad, I can't believe we overlooked this. He he said Eric Berry laying out no Sean Marino. That's one of the hardest hits I've ever seen. Did we lose that game? I think, I think we did. I think we yeah, was that 2000? No, that would have been – in Kiffin's year, we played 0-9 with Barry here and beat their ass. So that would have – he left the NFL, so it had to have been 2008, our sucky year. Uh, we went 5-7, and seven, I think. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good moment. But we I'm sure we got killed. Uh, anybody else? Pig Howard, I remember being in Buffalo Wild Wings to come back. We complained about – we complained Butch Jones. Butch Jones got less aggressive as his tenure went on. That first year, he was so aggressive. He he got his team to win and all that. We went for it four times, I think, on one drive on fourth down. He um, the I call that um, the Pig Howard game with the not not including the fumble, but he just he as a receiver he kind of brought us back on his own. He split the two defenders for the touchdown. Um, I wasn't at that game, but they say it was one of the loudest when we punted that uh, when we blocked the punt. Okay, so. Score prediction for Georgia, number one team in the country. Should we skip Paul? It's up to you guys if you don't I'm want to I'm just hear kidding. It. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Well, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to score 30 on Georgia's defense because I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Um, but I'm going to say we do score 27. I think Tennessee wins 27-24. Or, no, 27-21. I don't think Stetson Bennett can get it done. I have no confidence in him as a quarterback. I think this is probably one of the lower – I mean, statistically, this is the worst offense we've played in conference other than South Carolina and Missouri. So, no, Georgia actually has a worst offense statistically than Missouri. So, I mean, we held them to 20 points. I don't see why we can't hold Georgia to 20 points. And it's at home. Our crowd's going to be effective. We're going to be loud. We're coming off a big win. So, I'm going to say 27-21 Tennessee wins. And you guys can hate me now. Oh, oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, well, let's see. I, Judging by our defensive performance for the Kentucky game, that's, very, that's pretty terrifying. Um, I have two predictions. I've seen so many people be like, we're upsetting. We're pulling the upset. I'm trying. I'm, I want to feed into it, but I can't. Um, my realistic score prediction is 41-24, Georgia. We keep it closer than expected. Um, covers the spread, depending on when you got in. Um, other than that, <laughs> my orange glasses prediction, and this would have to be Hooker throws for like five touchdowns. We get two or three turnovers. Georgia just chokes. It is awful. Uh, 24-21, Tennessee. Well, low being a mega ball, so I'm going to have to bring us back up. I've always <laughs> said I'm a positive one of us. Um, Josh Hoppus coached 45 games. Okay, He's never scored less than 14 points. He's uh, scored over 30 points in 39 of those games and six times at Tennessee. So I do think we get over 14 but I, I, 
I don't feel good about it at all. I think Georgia, I know we talk about them. They're always, you know, have one game a year. I think the guys in the prize this year, honestly. And I'm going to go 45-17. That's actually a pretty cool stat. So, okay, I'm going to steal it from you a little bit. So, if he's never scored less than 14 and Georgia hasn't given up more than 14, then that's – like, what's going to give up? Like, you know, I I want to so bad saying we're going to do this and we're going to stay in the game and it's going to be a fourth quarter. Like, I just wish – I wish it would happen. I just – I think they're really good. I think – and let me say this. From a Tennessee fan standpoint, I may get some feedback. I may get some hate on this. But as a Tennessee fan, we need Alabama to win the national championship. I know that's weird to say, but you do not want Georgia winning the national championship ever, okay? From a talking shit on Twitter point to a recruiting point to um, to a future going forward point, we need we have to have Alabama. We need Alabama to keep doing their thing and keep Georgia from winning the Natty is basically what we need. That's so weird to say, but it needs that it needs you need to cheer for Bama. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna give us a little puncher's chance. I think Georgia, like I said, all year long, Tennessee has fought adversity, has done things no other team has done, pulled shit out of her, their ass. They keep fighting for this coach. This team is crazy special. It's it's just like something, something magical, like in a, in a weird seven and five way, it's magical. Um, they'll keep it close for – you know, a quarter and a half, maybe till halftime. I'm still going and probably in a route. I think I'm going to go 45 to 21. It would be my final score. That's going to be my score. I hope it's entertaining. I hope it's closer. I just don't see it happening. Anybody on Georgia? Anybody else want to go on Georgia? Real. Uh, Someone commented and was like low 35. Points would be five touchdowns. Yes, I know. I'm just shooting the shit live. I'm sure you couldn't do that. Just kidding. But <laughs> what I'm saying is it would have to be like an unrealistic performance, in my opinion, to win this game. If it if we were going to win, I feel like we would have our defense would have to play phenomenal too. There's just and I just don't see it. I guess I'll be the neg of all of the week, probably. But I, I do hope. I hope that it happens. But as always, but and I just want to keep our guy. I hope our guys stay healthy too. It's the main concern for me. I I would feel a lot better about this game if their defense was above average. You know, if their defense was. People are calling this defense an all-time defense, an elite defense. I would even pick us to win if their defense was just above average. You know, the quarterbacks don't scare me. I can't name any of their running backs. That's the first time ever. They're running back you, in my opinion. But I can't name any of their running backs, can't name any of their receivers. If their defense was just a little bit worse, I might pick us to win. But I just – we just don't have the one – we don't have Eric Berry on defense. We don't have a, a Al Wilson on defense. We don't have a Leonard Little on defensive end. That's my, that's my biggest fear. On offense, we got some weapons. I don't know if the offensive line is good, but 
uh, DR, you want to say something? You want a hot take? And this is how I'm ending. If Hendon Hooker is Mike Vick-esque, we'll beat the dogs. Maybe maybe even kill the dogs. And I want to say this. <laughs> I'm – oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, I want to say this about Georgia. So I've done I've done research. Like, I'm not just bullshitting. Like Lowe said, they historically shit the bed. And ever since Kirby Smart has gotten there, it's always been October and after. In, 2020, in 2019, it was South Carolina. 2018, they go to Baton Rouge. They get killed by 20. They're ranked number two in the country. 2017, they go play Auburn. They lose 40 to 17. Yeah, they end up smacking them in the SEC championship, but we're not playing in the SEC championship. We're playing in Neyland Stadium. And all these games that they shit the bed, it's always on the road. They always find that one road game that they should walk in and kick their, everybody's ass to fuck around and lose. They even did it in 2020. You know, they play Florida. They're favored by 20. They lose by 20. So why not? Uh, they've not done it yet. They're not going to do it against Georgia Tech or whoever the fuck that. They play some cupcake team after us. I'll give you the exact name of the school if it matters to anybody. They play Charleston Southern after us, and then they play Georgia Tech. So this is the perfect time for Georgia to shit the bed. It's so Georgia-esque to shit the bed right now. It's a November game. They're walking into Neyland Stadium. All we got to do is get past these last three games, and we're going to go play Alabama in the SEC championship. They're going to overlook us. Now, if they come prepared, they're probably going to kick our ass, but I don't think they do. Kirby Smart has a history of letting his teams overlook opponents. They did it the last five years he's been here. They're going to do it this year, and we're going to beat them. So a little thing, before we do our little basketball basketball review and get out of here, I just noticed, so OutKick tweeted, this is the only tweet I see of it, so 17 minutes ago, so I guess it's still fairly new maybe. Uh, so their Georgia linebacker Adam Anderson was charged with felony rape. Uh, could that be a distraction? Anybody know if he's a starter? Um, so, I mean, what if that's a distraction? Like, you know. I thought, I thought he was their start middle linebacker. Okay. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Yeah, so I mean, they're so deep. I don't think it matters. Yeah, you're right. No, okay. Let, it doesn't matter from a depth standpoint, but like Leland said, I think that that has to weigh over you. Like, there's no way you ignore that as a football team missing your middle linebacker because of what he's. If it was like a hamstring injury, like he's out because of an injury, that's different. But if it's a rape, like he got arrested and charged with a felony, like that has to. I don't know. It just everything is so like stacked up for us in this game. It's at home. We have a hot offense. We're coming off a big game. I just feel good about it. Everybody hates me, but I don't give a shit. Love you, buddy. We, we don't hate you. We're just – we're dreading the disappointment for you. I was just uh, – I'm not laughing at the rape. I was laughing at comparing a hamstring injury and rape. Just want to think Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So, let's do our little basketball thing and get out of here. Uh, and we've been one hour and 30 minutes. So – Talk about a little bit last night, Paul. I know you didn't watch the game, but from what you've read on Twitter and all that. So, yeah, it sounded like our offense is actually good. You know, seems like the first couple years in Rick Barnes' tenure, we kind of won games because of our defensive ability, especially with Yves Pons, you know, sending shots back to the moon. But, you know, we're not going to have that. So, really, our bigs are going to have to step up. We're going to have to play solid defense. But I think for an opening game of a season – for your offense to click already and score 90 points. I mean, 90 points in collegiate basketball, that's a that's a lot. Like in the NBA, that's a terrible night. But in collegiate basketball, if you score 90 points, and it really made me – it really makes me excited to see how quick Kennedy Chandler kind of got hold of the college game. 
most freshmen, you know, they take two or three games to kind of actually get rolling. It's a long season, like Leland said. But, I, I mean, I thought we played about as good as we could have for opening game against UT Martin. So I actually made it to the game last night. I'm going to go ahead and use this platform to call this person out real quick. Um, worst part of the night was this dumbass yelled, Kirby Smart is a cuck in the middle of the national anthem. So disrespectful. You're not cool at all. You need to sit down and shut the hell up. In terms of actual basketball, most improved players, Victor Bailey and Kamwa probably, um, biggest impact, Chandler, 20 points, 20 minutes. Vescovi, as much as people want to talk bad about him, he had 20 points of those 90 in 26 minutes of playing time. Biggest people who surprised me, Justin Powell. I was really shocked. I have not watched him play. Um, he balled out pretty good, honestly. I was He was quick and hit the three pretty well, got confident. Um, and Hatfield, he had seven points on the night, but I thought he was really good coming off the bench. Um, least impressive was James. He only had two points in 27 minutes. That cannot fly moving forward, but I think he will change it. Um, overall, I think that we have way more, way more depth on this basketball team. I mean, base, we had so many guys play last night. It's the first game. Barnes is throwing everyone in, tweaking lineups, etc. But in terms of like midseason, it's not going to be like where we have our five guys, sixth, seventh, and eighth, and then those last few are just like, oh, we got to get through this rotation. Pretty much everyone I saw last night made some sort of impact, and that gets me really excited because that's a lot more depth um, than we've had to work with in basketball in a while. And Lastly, we set the record for threes in the game last night, uh, 17 threes. Um, my final 40, thought is, huh? 40 attempts, I think. Yeah, lots of attempts. That was one thing that was kind of sickening to watch. I've never seen a Tennessee team attempt that many threes, not since I've really been paying attention hardcore to basketball. But I will say that I think the option with Chandler, Vescovi, and Powell um, – hitting those threes could be really dangerous and an awesome weapon like by midseason for us. That's all I got. Well, first, uh, you know, disrespect and national anthem. It sounds like a mutual friend of me and Leland's. I'll leave it at that. Um, I'm glad we're shooting the three ball. We're going to need it. Well, you know, that's Alabama's big thing. Cause honestly, I think Alabama's winning the sec. Uh, they love to shoot the three. And the question was brought up earlier about Kennedy Chandler taking over. I want him to take over December the 18th when we play Memphis. I just want everybody getting a rhythm for that game. You know, we played Nova November the 20th, but, God, we got to beat Memphis. I, their fans are – they're like a ingrown toenail. They're not a major part, but they're very painful to listen to. And I, I just – I can't – I can't take any more Memphis fans, honestly. They're as bad as Kentucky. Uh. I watched some of last night. I didn't watch the whole thing. I thought it was kind of boring, honestly. Um, if you judged the game by your Twitter timeline, you would have thought that we were down by 30 to Kmart School for the Deaf. Um, we That's typical, like coming out, why not be struggling a little bit, going back. We weren't even struggling. We are just going back and forth with them. They turned it on in the second half. Um, it's just funny to watch our fan base melt down. Um, the, the Euros thing, 
and y'all didn't mention Euros. Like, dude, let's let's stop trying to make him an offensive threat. Euros, you're eight, you're ten feet tall. Go over here, catch rebounds, and get and um and and play defense and block shots. Be be European Dennis Rodman, okay? Like um, that's all you gotta do. Don't feed him the ball. Don't sky hook it. Don't do anything. Rebound. And because I've complained for years that I think we should just go down to, you know, somewhere down here and find us a big tall dude to rebound and do all this stuff for us. And we got him. He just don't stop making him an offensive threat. Um, once we get Folky back, that'll help some of the things out. One thing I am worried about, and I'm going to go ahead and mark my words for this, that we will lose a game because we are stone cold at three. You can't. Uh, I mean, I love shooting a three and and shoot it. I'm not saying not shoot it. I'm not an old soul um, that doesn't like shooting threes. Shoot it. Shoot it all you want. But if you rely on it, you're going to lose some games. A um, little bit of worried about that. But uh, good start. Um, that's all I got for the for the basketball roundup. Um, anybody have anything else? Oh, Lo, you had a little. You had the announcement. Yes. Um... This is for this Friday before we, like, end everything. Um, Juice Davis is having an event Friday at Maple Hall in Knoxville, the bowling alley downtown from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, his event, This event is, like, to support his nonprofit organization. So tickets can start at $30 a piece and can be purchased online. All of the proceeds will go towards his Legends of Tennessee football camps which is to help develop athletes right here in our fabulous state. Um, I believe we shared the twink, but or the link for everything on Twitter, but I'll retweet it again. So everyone has a chance to buy tickets. Um, I, some people have asked me if you can buy tickets at the door, it's not recommended just so they can plan. Cause it's kind of a small area. Um, but they start at 30. I think they go all the way up to 200. But like I said, all the proceeds will go towards that nonprofit. Um, and I think that even the $30 ticket, if I'm not mistaken, includes like one free drink, like a beer or something. Um, and they'll have some hors d'oeuvres there and everything. So Leland and I are going to be there for sure. DR can't make it. I don't. Paul, are you going to make it? Paul will be there. Um we are they're going to be talking like football i don't know what all former players are going to be there but it sounds like it's going to be an awesome night we we may get a chance to talk to some people or drop some lives but it's kind of hard to plan for because we don't know how many people will be there so i guess just try and check it out and if you guys can come down it sounds like it'll be an awesome time so that's this friday six to eight yeah i can't wait for this i've been pumped about this um how casual are you going? Like, are you going like a dress up? I don't even know what to wear. Um, I'm going to wear, well, it'll be a surprise. Okay. But I think I'm going to, I'm not going to go in sweatpants. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got orange, some orange pants to wear or orange dress pants. Um, a dress but, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see uh, the former Vols. He said some of them can't make it, but he was trying to replace them or something. Is that right? Um, yeah. Um, uh, one names. family, a family emergency. Um, so of course that's really sad thinking of them, but he was trying to replace them and 
and get some stuff going. So either way, it's going to be an awesome night. I'm not sure if his cigars will be there. They might be. Um, all good questions that I've gotten. So be a fun. Cool. I'm going to buy a cigar to smoke it after we whoop George's ass on Saturday. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> anybody else got anything to say, Dr? Uh, no, good luck on the cigar. I may get moldy by three years from now. When <laughs> All right. We've been on here long enough. Let's head out. Go balls. Go balls.